Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Enrique Ogunbowale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, yeah. how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTRadio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. Hey, pleasant good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT on this Monday, August the 7th of 2023 we're live from our studios in downtown south bend indiana and broadcasting live on 960 a.m streaming live at wsbtradio.com our free wsbt radio app and a video feed of the show coming your way via the twitch app great to have you on board brand new week of budweiser's weekday sports beat here on wsbt radio and now just 19 days away from the start of the college football season in week zero featuring your Fighting Irish of Notre Dame taking on the United States Naval Academy. That is August the 26th, 2.30 kickoff right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. It seems like it was the other day. We were at 100 days from the start of Notre Dame football, and now we are inside of three weeks, 19 days until the brand-new season gets underway, and the Fighting Irish held practice number 11 of fall camp today. If you're listening to this program, you're ready for football, and we've got it coming at you very quickly. High school football right around the corner. Of course, 19 days until the Irish, the NFL right after that. So if you love football, it is going to be your time of the year coming up very, very soon, and we'll be talking a ton of football here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, including on tonight's program our hat trick of opening topics. You will hear from Notre Dame quarterback coach Gino Gadouli. 
We'll talk about the new Big 18 and the wild and wacky and pretty serious Guardians-White Sox fight Saturday night. Coming up in our second segment at 5.30, I want to bring you comments from brand-new Fighting Irish starting quarterback Sam Hartman, who talked about where he is right now with the playbook and just where he is with this Fighting Irish offense, becoming a leader of this football team, all that from Sam Hartman coming up in about 20 minutes or so. We have our Twitter question of the day to get to before the top of the hour. In the 6 o'clock hour, the five biggest winners of the weekend, our Notre Dame football opponent preview continues today as we talk about the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, who will be in South Bend. Bad news for Wake Forest today. Their top pass catcher, Donovan Green, suffered a knee injury in fall camp, and he is out three to five months. And once again, the Irish will take on Wake Forest at the stadium November 18th. A big loss for Wake Forest with Donovan Green going down. He had 37 catches for 642 and six touchdowns. And with A.T. Perry graduating from Wake Forest with an 81-catch season last year, Green was the top returnee, but the junior is not going to play this year more than likely three to five months. Now, I guess three months, it puts him in play to get back before the end of the year, but that is a, a tough blow for a Wake Forest football team that watched their starting quarterback, Sam Hartman, end up at Notre Dame, and now their top returning pass catcher is going to be on the sideline for some time. Also, we've got a little sizzler to get to, sports wagering talk at the end of the 6 o'clock hour here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. To show we are a step closer to college football today, the coaches poll came out for the first time today, the preseason poll, and there were 66 first-place votes up for grab and two-time defending national champion Georgia received 61 of 66 first-place votes, and they are the number one team of the country, followed by a team that did not get a first-place vote, the two-time defending Big Ten champion, the Michigan Wolverines. Tyler Buckner, Tommy Reese, and the Alabama Crimson Tide come in at number three. Nick Saban's team collected four first-place votes, the second most. Coming in at number four, the Ohio State Buckeyes will be coming to South Bend. Ohio State got a first-place vote. They are number four. And coming in at number five, Logan Diggs, Brian Kelly, and the LSU Tigers, they are the number five team in the country. USC on the Irish's schedule here in South Bend, October 14th. USC is number six. And the Irish will go to Death Valley to take on the Clemson Tigers. And Clemson is the number nine team in the country. Of note, Washington making the move from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten. They are number 11. Same situation for Oregon. They are 15. Utah is going to be moving to the Big 12. They're number 14. Oregon State, who doesn't really have a home anymore unless you call it the Pac-4. But how about Oregon State? They're number 18 in the country and looking for a new place to call home in an ever-changing conference realignment in college sports. And the always overrated Texas A&M Aggies, they come in at number 25. But for the Fighting Irish, they are the number 13 team in the country. 
And the Fighting Irish will take on three teams ahead of them in that top 25 poll. So you could argue the Irish control their own destiny to play very important football games in January, but I figured Notre Dame would be somewhere between 10 and 15 in these preseason polls, and they are number 13 according to the coaches. The AP poll, the Associated Press poll, will come out on Monday. So there you go, college football polls. The big ones are now coming out. The coaches poll, they've got the Fighting Irish coming in at number 13. And now away we go with our hat trick of opening topics, three topics to get the program started on this Monday evening. And we begin with the Fighting Irish football team and their new quarterback coach, Gino Gadouli. Gadouli spent some time at Cincinnati, did great work with quarterback Desmond Ritter there. Went to Wisconsin after last season, but didn't stay there long. Ended up leaving Wisconsin after a couple of months and joining Marcus Freeman's staff here in South Bend. Tommy Reese leaving for Alabama. Opened up two positions, offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. Jared Parker, the tight end coach, filled the coordinator position, but Gino Gadouli was brought in to be the quarterback coach of the Fighting Irish. Gadouli is a hard worker on the recruiting trail, not afraid to go after the best of the best. I think the Irish got a really outstanding recruiter, and it sure sounds like a terrific football coach in Gino Gadouli, who gets to work with a veteran quarterback in Sam Hartman. But for Sam, coming from Wake Forest, where he was always in the shotgun, always calling plays at the line of scrimmage, coming to South Bend, had to learn a lot. Had to learn to be in a huddle, call the play, be under center. So a lot to learn for Hartman. And his teacher was Coach Gadouli. And here is Gadouli on working with Sam Hartman the last few months. Sam came here, he's running the offense he never ran in January. You know what I mean? He's going under center, he's calling plays in the huddle. Sam might as well have been a freshman when he got here in January. So you just coach him like the rest of the guys. Obviously, he's got a lot of experience and um, has a lot of tread on the tires. But, um, you know, he's an easy one to coach. Right? His preparation, uh, his understanding, he does, he does a really great job. He does a great job leading the other guys in our room. I think from the outside looking in this spring, it felt like Hartman really started to figure things out late in that practice window. We heard how at times that Tyler Buckner looked better than Sam Hartman. I didn't necessarily buy into that. Not saying it wasn't true, but Sam Hartman was brought in to take this offense to another level. If Tyler Buckner truly beat him out, that Hartman was great and Buckner was better, hey, (laughs) fantastic. But I wasn't holding my breath. So Hartman, starting quarterback, Buckner, Maybe the writing was on the wall, so he decided to go to Alabama, which is a pretty good second option for a quarterback. You're not going to be the guy in Notre Dame, but Alabama's looking for someone. Are you interested? Well, they win a few games down there in Tuscaloosa. And I get to work with my quarterback coach and offensive coordinator who believes in me. He brought me to South Bend. Pretty good landing spot, wouldn't you say? It's like winning the Mega Millions. But Hartman's the guy now. 
And because Hartman is the guy, he has taken on leadership responsibilities. He's won over the locker room. There's just a really good feeling around this Notre Dame football team right now. As we've talked about so many times before, great quarterbacks can overcome deficiencies elsewhere on the football team. Sam Hartman is a big reason why Wake Forest had success the last few years. They have a great coach in Dave Clawson. Don't get me wrong. He gets more out of his talent than maybe any coach in the country. Tip my cap to him. But Hartman made this team a whole lot better than maybe it should have been. And let's hope he can do the same thing with this Fighting Irish team that was 9-4 and four last year and had two bad losses to Marshall and Stanford. Losses that just can't happen. If you're truly a program that year in and year out is trying to make the college football playoff, those bad of a slip-ups can't happen. And maybe Hartman is the type of player when there are some guys having a bad day or coaches having a bad day, he can help them overcome that. That's what I think Sam Hartman can do for this football team. And here is Gaduli and what he likes about this old veteran, grizzly, bearded quarterback, Sam Hartman. Uh, just... I think, you know, you guys probably see it as well, having watched practice, just his comfortability just getting under center and with the play calls and um, the timing with his receivers. There's been there's been a step made this summer. Those guys did a phenomenal job this summer. And um, he kind of took charge of that because as coaches, uh, we're not allowed to be with him as much as, as we would like to in the summer. And uh, it's kind of play around. And uh, Sam took the took the rain on that and uh, they did a great job this summer. So you just notice him a lot more comfortable in the offense in some of those situations that were formed to him in January. He feels a lot more comfortable in those situations. Well, in 19 days, we'll see number 10 out on the field in Dublin, leading the Fighting Irish offense, Notre Dame and Navy right here on WSBT Radio. Game day sports beat, our two and a half hour pregame show right before national coverage here on WSBT Radio will start at 11 a.m. on August the 26th from, I guess, the second best place to be rather than Dublin, our WSBT studio. Someone said, don't you want to go to Dublin? I go, you know, I'd love to go to Dublin, but not to cover a football game. If I'm going to Dublin, I don't want to cover a football game. I want to enjoy Ireland focus on Ireland not half on Ireland half on a football game so yeah would be cool but to cover a football game eh. I'm not interested in vacation involving work all right second hat trick of opening topics for tonight's program it's really interesting to follow people trying to piece together the dominoes that fell in the Pac-12. Remember a few years ago, there was talk that Texas could join the Pac-12. That didn't happen. And now the Pac-12 is the Pac-4. There are just four teams left. Washington State, Oregon State, Stanford, and California. And it seems like one of the major issues was the television deal, which was going to be streaming only on Apple Plus or Apple TV. They weren't going to be on regular television. That's a problem for some of the big-time schools like Oregon. Oregon saw the writing on the wall. The Ducks and Washington headed to the Big Ten. Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, then followed Colorado, 
to the Big 12. And all of a sudden, we knew this was going to happen eventually, but we saw history the last few days. We saw a proud conference over 100 years of excellence disintegrate in front of our very eyes. They were buried. Just like that. I think about the great Bill Walton, the great UCLA basketball star on ESPN. He's always talking about the Conference of Champions. Well, the Conference of Champions is pretty much gone unless they figure out a way magically to keep it alive. If you're going to join the Mountain West teams, not sure that's still the Conference of Champions. There's now talk that the ACC is going to talk to Stanford and Cal. I don't get that, but okay. Washington president Anna Marie Cossey on the move to the Big Ten and passing on a hopeful Pac-12 media deal. Quote, when you have a deal that people are saying that one of the best aspects are that you can get out of it in two years, that tells you a lot. This was about national visibility for our players being on linear TV so they can be seen, so they could have the national exposure. It was about stability. It was about having a future that we could count on and build towards. I have every reason to believe that offers fell apart because of factors beyond the commissioner's control. There was enough uncertainty with the Apple deal We had been living in uncertainty for too long to continue in that level. It makes it very, very hard to build, end quote. So Oregon and Washington, they're not getting full shares for joining the Big Ten, but partial shares is a whole lot better than what they would have received in the Pac-12, more than likely, or any other scenario. So Oregon and Washington going to the Big Ten. That pushed Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah to the Big 12. And as I mentioned, it's just Stanford, Cal, Oregon State, Washington State left. Stanford is one of the great athletic departments in college athletics. But here they are on the outside looking in. It's hard to believe. And if you think big picture... Stanford's been down for a while with football. They've got a brand new coach. But you have to wonder, with them just basically like someone on a raft just floating in the middle of the ocean, that's Stanford right now. And you would have to imagine it's going to be very difficult for Sanford to stay competitive in football in the current environment. It can change, of course. But if they're a Mountain West school, you wonder, does Notre Dame still want to play Stanford? Is it going to be a good enough game to keep Stanford on the schedule every year? That's for Pete Bavacqua to decide who will be the new AD in less than a year. But just one of the effects of what we're seeing right now you have to think about strength of schedule who you want to play it's going to be fascinating to see what stanford becomes or does not become with what is happening right now 
with what used to be the Pac-12 Conference. Bizarre. Just bizarre. Just like that, poof, Pac-12 is gone. And again, if they team up with Mountain West, it just isn't going to feel like a major conference. It's going to be a secondary conference. And just someone's going to have to explain to me why the ACC would want Stanford and Cal. Someone said that would enhance the television deal the next time around for the ACC and keep Clemson and Florida State happy. How is Stanford and Cal going to help with a new TV package? Trust me, if they were valuable, they would have a landing spot right now. So ACC, (laughs) go ahead. Go at it. I mean, but face it. Can the ACC do much better than Stanford and Cal at this point? They've survived very quietly. They're just standing off to the side, hoping like nobody notices us. But so many lawyers are looking into that rights deal, trying to figure out ways for schools to get out of that deal with the ACC. It's just the calm before the storm, it sure seems like. And the SEC is just sitting there very quietly. I'm sure they have a great plan. They're just waiting at this particular time. And, of course, the Big Ten has 18 teams now. And as we've talked about, they're going to wait to see if Notre Dame has a change of heart. There will always be a seat open for the Big Ten to ask Notre Dame to join them. Big Ten is not going to take Notre Dame without football. It would be shocking if they would change course on that. So, I guess, in a way, Notre Dame is still the big fish, but they want to remain an independent. So then you basically, I think, go to Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina as the next set of most valuable teams. Right now, they're in the ACC. Two years from now, it's anybody's guess. Our third and final hat trick of opening topics for tonight. Well, the south side is home to the tough guy. But at least one guy on the south side might be a bit on the soft one, soft side. White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson hasn't been a productive baseball player for the last year. Now you can add a poor boxer to the list. Anderson and the Guardians all-star Jose Ramirez came to blows at second base Saturday night. Ramirez slid into second base. He didn't like something Anderson did, applying a tag. Both got up. Anderson put up his fist like he wanted to fight. Seconds later, a right hook from Ramirez sent Anderson to the dirt. He got knocked out. How many times do you see a baseball fight? Everybody's excited to fight, and then when the whole pile gets to the middle of the field, nah, not so interested. Maybe some pushing, maybe some jabbering. A few years ago, Odor and Bautista, the Rangers, Blue Jays fight at second base. Now, that was a big timer. Woo! Some people got smoked there. But normally, it's just a lot of friendly conversations. Baseball players don't like to fight, most of them. Although, I called two pretty good brawls with the South Bend Cubs in my few years at Four Winds Field that there were some pretty good punches delivered. But anyway, back to the White Sox. It was one heck of a brawl that lasted a lot longer than you thought. Grafal, the White Sox manager, he was in a heated 
conversation with Guardians personnel. And, of course, the one guy that comes out limping. You knew it had to be Aloy Jimenez. (laughs) Aloy just, probably someone stepped on his foot, but he just cannot avoid seeing the team doctor. So here's how it all sounded on the Guardians Radio Network. The great Tom Hamilton. Give him an Emmy now. Head first slide. Safe and in the score is Jimenez. And another hustle double. Right over the bag at first. Now Hosey and Anderson square off. They're fighting. They're swinging. Down goes Anderson. Down goes Anderson. Ramirez went in with a head first slide. Hosey never gets upset about anything. They came up chewing. Anderson squared off. Hosey decked him. (laughs) That's a fantastic call. One thing, the great Tony Roberts, he was so great about just sitting down and chatting with you at Notre Dame football games. We had a conversation one time. He said, Darren, one thing when you're doing play-by-play, don't call people by their last name or their nickname or their he didn't say last name but don't call them by their nickname mom and dad gave them a first name for a reason and you heard Hamilton call him Jose Ramirez Josie there I thought of that comment from Tony Roberts when I heard that great radio call from Tom Hamilton but that was fantastic had a little Howard Cosell there down goes Frazier down goes Frazier has Anderson kind of become, gosh, I don't know what the right word is, just a, not a very likable guy. Just seems like his name gets brought up in a lot of stuff that, as a fan, you don't want to see one of your players get involved with. And Ramirez says he's been disrespecting the game for some time, so it kind of sounds like Ramirez felt like Anderson had it coming. Well, it's been a dismal year for Anderson. White Sox brought him back on a club option this year. It's been a disaster. Hitting 244, 285 on base, 576 OPS. One home run in the last year, 19 RBI. He's a career 283 hitter. He's got a club option again for 2024. If he was playing well, to have a starting shortstop in the majors making $14 million, that's a bargain. I know $14 million doesn't sound like a bargain, but in Major League Baseball, a starting shortstop that's productive for $14 million, sign me up. But the White Sox just need to redo a good chunk of the roster. It just doesn't make any sense to bring Anderson back on a club-friendly deal if he's hitting as poorly as he has for basically a year. The choice seems very, very easy. It is time to move on from Tim Anderson and his glass chin took a a bit of a pretty good punch from Jose Ramirez of the Cleveland Guardians. That's our hat trick of opening topics for tonight. I want you to hear from our new quarterback, Sam Hartman. You will coming up after the break. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel won by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chase by Gamble. 20, 10. What a run. Touchdown. Spectacular run. Here's the fake. Meyer looking. Meyer finding the other tight end. Irv Smith touchdown. Five by rocket touchdown. Irish. Here's your host. Darren Pritchett. It is 538 on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Great to have you on board on this Monday evening. Hope you had a terrific weekend. And here we go, a brand new week of the program here on WSBT Radio. Sam Hartman, Fantastic career at Wake Forest. You look at the Wake Forest passing record books, some of the ACC passing record books. You see Sam Hartman atop some of those categories. Over 12,000 passing yards, 111 passing touchdowns so far in his career, and a great opportunity for Sam Hartman here in South Bend to play with this Notre Dame football program, be a part of a more pro-style offense, which hopefully will help him help him, excuse me, in future endeavors, a.k.a. the National Football League. Hopefully this maybe changes the look of Sam Hartman to professional football executives. But more importantly for right now, a chance to help this Notre Dame football team get over the hump and get back to the college football playoffs. And with the schedule they have, when you've got Ohio State and USC at home, Clemson on the road, you have the opportunity to really catch the attention of the selection committee by at least winning two of those three games and hopefully taking care of the rest of your business. And a guy like Sam Hartman, his capabilities at the quarterback position gives you a realistic chance to reach some of those big-time goals that you put on the dry erase board each and every year. But for Sam Hartman, hey, like we talked about in the spring, it was a time to learn a lot of new things about the quarterback position, being at a huddle, taking a snap under center, learning a new offense, learning new teammates. And it's complicated being a veteran player like Sam. You want to be a leader in the locker room, but in the spring he was in a quote-unquote quarterback competition with Tyler Buckner. That's not the case anymore. He's the guy, and he has built a great relationship with the locker room. Always a major plus. Not a necessity, but a major, major plus. Here was Sam Hartman talking about where he is right now and becoming Notre Dame's starting quarterback. I mean, I think every day you're always learning. I mean, I think um, there's, always a, there's always something you can grow on, something you can learn on, even if it's the most simple concept. There's always a look you haven't seen, a play, or kind of a concept that um, looks one way against this coverage, but a certain coverage, um, it's a completely different idea. And, um, so I'm, I'm constantly growing, constantly learning, still learning the receivers, still learning the running backs, tight ends, all the way across the board. So I think it sets how it's going to be all year. It's just a constant growth. And as this team goes, we're going to figure out more and more things as we play more together. And um, that's the goal. Well, Hartman has had to, I guess, erase his mind a little bit with terminology from Wake Forest. Now learning the Notre Dame terminology and this Notre Dame playbook. And here is Sam on what he has learned about himself being in a brand new system. I mean, I needed a lot of understanding for work work was probably the number one thing, uh, which we got in the summer and we feel very comfortable under there. And um, 
I mean, I think it's just like anything, you know, you, the more you do it, the more you rep it, the easier it gets and the, and the more comfortable you feel. And, um, I think the, the best thing is just, you know, uh, Coach Gino and uh, Coach GP's, you know, belief in me and, and the guys around me believing that I can do it and just going out next year. Mentioned a moment ago about becoming a leader of this football team, Sam describing how he has taken on that task and taken on that opportunity to be one of the voices in this Notre Dame locker room despite being one of the new guys on the team. Um, I mean, I think uh, there's always challenges coming into a locker room, right? You don't really know anything about it, what the culture's like, what the guys are like. Um, and it's really more just interpersonal relationships. I think um, leadership is quite simple. Uh, and at the end of the day, if you come up and you know you work hard, you show up on time, you do your job, right? That's the, probably the number one thing. And then out in the kind of smaller details is just relationships with the guys. Um, I think that's just time. Like I don't know, um, in a, you know, the months that I was here in the spring that I was going to be able to accomplish the relationships I wanted. But now at this point, I feel like I know like on the offensive side of the ball, the guys really, really well. And, um, can kind of lead and command and again sometimes I'm a follower I'm, I'm still learning uh, the ins and outs of just different things the fight songs like all it's always you know each day is a new day of uh, different tasks and, and different learning curves that either I'm going through or, or we're going through and um, it's, it's exciting uh, it's challenging but what I want. All right that's Sam Hartman the new Fighting Irish quarterback speaking with the media a couple of days ago and finally here is Sam making some phone calls and learning from former Notre Dame players, trying to help him get used to this Notre Dame football program and understanding the culture and what it means to be a Notre Dame football player. Um, I mean, I you know to go through the whole conversation, there's a million things. I mean, I think in summary, there's uh, it's different, it's special here. Um, there's a lot of eyes, um, which is, is pretty pretty obvious at this point. And um, I mean, I think they just. You never really know until you're out of it what uh, what it means to be in this position. And so as much as I can, to try and soak it in. Um, you know, it's a high-pressure, you know, pivotal season for myself and, and more important than myself, this team um, and this university. So just trying to take it in day by day. And, you know, we, we have a one-play, one-life mentality, and, and that's, uh, that's what we're going to do and um, try and execute like that. I think you're going to really appreciate Sam Hartman's talents as a Notre Dame football fan. I was always thoroughly impressed watching him at Wake Forest and going through a lot of his film from last year at Wake Forest, how he is not afraid to take shots down the field, his accuracy throwing the football down the field, probably throws a couple of more interceptions than you would like. But that comes with forcing the ball down the field at times. I'm really curious to see this. Hartman is a guy that is not going to be Ian Book from the standpoint. He's going to take off and run and get 20, 25 yards. Ian was really good in doing that. Now, he left the pocket early too many times for many of our likings. But he was really good carrying the football. Now, Hartman is not Ian Book. But he has shown throughout his Wake Forest career that he is able to run adequately with the football. Maybe on third down and five, things break down. He can scamper for six or seven yards to get up to pick up the first down. Now, last year, coming off the injury where he didn't play the first game of the year, I talked to a Wake Forest media member right after Notre Dame got Sam Hartman. He mentioned, in his opinion, that Notre Dame, I'm sorry, that Wake Forest might have not wanted Sam to run as much coming off that injury trying to make sure he stayed on the field so I'm really curious to see if Sam might run a little more or dare I say more 
like the guy that we saw the first couple of years when he was the quarterback at Wake Forest. But this is the type of player that can be a game changer and really can't wait to see what he's going to be able to do. We saw him in the spring, and he dazzled us in the blue goal game. But that was with very limited time with the playbook. He has had all summer to understand that playbook, get the terminology down, create chemistry with his fellow offensive players. So it's going to be fascinating to see how quick out of the gate Hartman and that offense finds its stride, hopefully in that first game against Navy, which is 19 days from today. 546 is our time. I'm Darren Pritchett. Sportsbeat on WSBT Radio is being brought to you by Budweiser. For 13 years, Folds of Honor and Budweiser have provided life-changing scholarships to military families. Join United Beverage in raising a bud to raise funds for Folds of Honor. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you, Barnaby's the Family Inn. By the Mishawaka Education Foundation and by Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solid ground for details. Coming up in a couple of moments, we'll get to our Twitter question of the day, the results from Friday and today's question. We've got our five biggest winners of the weekend coming up and also our opponent preview shifts to the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on this Monday evening on Sports Radio 960 WSBT streaming live at WSBTradio.com and our free WSBT radio app. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 552 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome back to the program. Well, our Twitter slash X question of the day from Friday was this. We've been doing a best players on the Notre Dame roster vote. We asked you, who is the best Notre Dame football player regardless of position? You voted offensive tackle Joe Alt. Then we asked you, who's the second best player? And you went with quarterback Sam Hartman. So then on Friday, next in line of these four choices, who is the third best player on the Fighting Irish football roster? Your choices, cornerback, Benjamin Morrison, running back, Audric Estime, offensive tackle, Blake Fisher, and cornerback, Cam Hart. You voted on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat, and here are the results. Fourth place, not getting a lot of love, although this guy's having a fantastic fall camp. I can't wait to see. If this guy can stay healthy, cornerback Cam Hart only got 2% of the vote. A 6'3 corner with that athleticism, length. NFL scouts are going to be drooling about this guy. He has a big, big 2023 season. But in this vote, Cam got 2% of the vote. Coming in third place for the third best player on the Irish roster, right tackle Blake Fisher. 
who received 12% of the vote. Pretty good sign when your two offensive tackles are in the running for the best players on the roster. One guy came in first place, and then Fisher probably in the top five or six. You love having those dominant offensive tackles. Second place in the vote for the third best player on the Irish roster, regardless of position. 37% of the vote went to cornerback Benjamin Morrison. Outstanding All-American freshman season for Morrison. He'll try to validate that season with a big 2023. I would have voted for Morrison if I could have voted. 37% agree. But according to you, the third best player on the Irish roster, 49% of the vote, running back Audric Estime. What's interesting about Estime being third, here's a guy that you all believe, and I think you've done a great job with the voting. I just would have had Morrison one spot ahead of Estime. But here's a guy that's your number one running back but probably will be in a three-man rotation, so your third best player on the roster is not going to be out there at running back 80% of the time or 70% of the time maybe. Who knows? We'll see, but there's a three-man rotation because there's so many good running backs. So your number three player, it'll be interesting to see how much he plays in terms of snaps compared to other guys you might have in your top five. But Audric Estime wins the vote, in your opinion. Joe Alt, Sam Hartman, and Audric Estime, the three best players on the Irish roster, regardless of position. Thank you so much for voting. Always appreciate it. Now, today's question, we go to Las Vegas. Thanks to my friend Tim Murray from VEASAN, one of their hosts, who sent this information to me. South Point in Las Vegas has released some odds for upcoming Notre Dame football games. So from a Notre Dame perspective, what is the best bet of these four? So again, South Point in Las Vegas, which is the best Notre Dame wager? Here are your four choices. When the Irish go to North Carolina State, game three, biggest challenge to date. They'll take on North Carolina State in Raleigh. The Irish are favored by seven. Your second choice, the September showdown at Notre Dame Stadium with Ohio State. Notre Dame is getting seven and a half points against the Buckeyes. Oof, that's tough. Your third choice, according to South Point in Las Vegas, When Notre Dame hosts USC October 14th, Notre Dame is getting a point against the men of Troy. And your fourth choice, Death Valley in November, Notre Dame at Clemson, the Irish are road dog, and you're getting six points with Notre Dame. So again, South Point in Las Vegas, They have released some odds for upcoming Notre Dame football games. What is the best bet from a Notre Dame perspective? Is it at NC State laying seven, home against Ohio State getting seven and a half, home against USC, Notre Dame plus one, or the Irish going to Clemson, Notre Dame is plus six. Which is the best bet of those four? We'd love for you to vote on my Twitter account, 
at 960-SPORTSBEAT. That's 960-SPORTSBEAT. Results tomorrow. Brand new question on tomorrow's program. We're going to take a timeout, a sports update to get to. Then our five biggest winners of the weekend and our next opponent preview, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, who suffered a very, very costly injury in their fall camp. Details on the way. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We begin the 6 o'clock hour with our My Five for today. Darren Pritchett with you here on WSBT Radio. We're brought to you by Budweiser, Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies, and Mishawaka Education Foundation. All right, 10 minutes after 6 o'clock, today's My Five the five biggest winners of the weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. Coming in at number five, women's World Cup soccer fans not cheering for the United States. The two-time defending World Cup champion, U.S. club bounced from the World Cup in the round of 16 by Sweden. A scoreless game went to penalty kicks, and Sweden knocked off the Americans 5-4. The last time a team won the World Cup before the United States won two straight, you have to go back to 2011 when Japan beat the U.S. in the final. This is the first time the U.S. has not made the Final Four since 1999 and their earliest exit ever from the Women's World Cup. So we will crown a new champion and probably a lot of soccer fans around the world very happy that the Americans Got knocked off. Four. Another winner from the weekend, Colts rookie quarterback Anthony Richardson. Richardson on Sunday received starting reps with the first-team offense. Now Gardner Minshew is the veteran quarterback the Colts brought in. He knows Shane Steichen's offense from his days in Philadelphia. And Richardson looked really good, apparently, during Sunday's camp. The head coach of the Colts, Steichen, said, quote, I thought he had a heck of a day. He was really solid, made some big-time throws. Obviously, the two-minute drive threw a nice touchdown right there in the end zone, and then the two-point play that he ran in. It was pretty good to see, end quote. Now, there's still a very slim chance Richardson starts in week one. But it doesn't seem like it's going to take that long for Richardson to get his shot. Unbelievable athleticism, cannon of a right arm. The throw he made deep down the field to Alec Pierce within the last two weeks, spectacular. The Colts are not rebuilding, but they're retooling. And getting Richardson on the field as quick as possible is a major plus. Now, you don't throw him out there unless he's ready. But I would still imagine early on in the season, even in the first week, 
you got a pack of plays that Richardson can run as a quote-unquote change-up quarterback to Minshew. But if Richardson continues to impress, if he can handle the mental side of the NFL, we might see him sooner rather than later. But for now, he impressed his head coach working with the first-team offense on Sunday. Okay, okay. Uh, Number three. Another winner of the weekend. Boy, you talk about adding fuel to the fire for this one. Anyone who wants Jerry Reinsdorf to sell the Chicago White Sox, you were a winner this weekend. Kenyon Middleton, White Sox reliever until he was traded to the New York Yankees, had this to say about the White Sox. This is courtesy of ESPN. Middleton said, quote, and this is about the White Sox, not the Yankees, the White Sox, quote, we came in with no rules. I don't know how you police the culture if there are no rules or guidelines to follow because everyone is doing their own thing. Like, how do you say anything about it because there are no rules? You have rookies sleeping in the bullpen during the game. You have guys missing meetings. You have guys missing pitchers fielding practice. And there are no consequences for any of this stuff. End quote. Wow. Now, according to ESPN, multiple sources corroborated with Middleton's account of the culture or lack thereof in the White Sox clubhouse. Lance Lynn traded to the L.A. Dodgers. And by the way, he has pitched two great games back-to-back since being acquired by the Dodgers. When asked about Middleton's comments, he said, quote, I was there a lot longer than Key was. He's not wrong, end quote. White Sox fans, you can probably tell us stories about how you feel about your organization for quite some time. Kenny Williams ran the club, GM. Rick Hahn became GM. Kenny Still in the organization, sounds like, still has an influence. What was supposed to be the building of a great White Sox team for many years to come has failed. But for whatever reason, there doesn't seem to be any accountability, except changing a manager. Now, Tony La Russa got dumped on pretty good last year as the main reason why the Sox struggled. I'm not making excuses for Tony. I'm Tony's biggest fan. But last year was not a good look for Tony. But the front office, who has watched this supposed turnaround fail, continues to be safe. Right or wrong. But for a player to come out and call out the organization for the lack of basically discipline and it's being corroborated by other players saying, yeah, he's right. That's telling. So that's not an unhappy employee that got traded. We're starting to get a consistent response on this. And I'm just not sure how any team 
high school, college, minors, professionals, whatever the case may be, I don't understand how you don't have consequences for actions. If you're the manager, you're going to know someone sleeping in the bullpen. That's going to get back to you. But guys missing PFPs, pitcher feeling practices, unacceptable. That is no doubt something that a manager would notice. The pitching coach would notice. And there are no consequences for missing? I mean, this is your job. PFPs aren't just for giggles and grins. It's to work on a craft of being a pitcher, being able to field your position. You're not out there every day. You need to work on the timing of that play. And it just tells you there is such a disconnect or lack of leadership in the White Sox organization. I mean, this is separate from the failures of building up this team. Put that aside. That is a separate argument that White Sox fans can argue until they're red in the face, which isn't going to take long. But this is just simply players not handling their responsibilities. And no one is holding them accountable. Where is a veteran player to hold that individual accountable? You know, we heard that Jose Abreu was great in the locker room, but this sounded like this has gone on for not, well, I guess for more than just this particular season. So was Jose Abreu making sure people were doing the right thing before he left for Houston? It's just an awkward look. It's one thing to be playing bad, not living up to expectations, but for your ball club to lack discipline, no consequences from the coaching staff, the front office, the players are not holding each other accountable. Lance Lynn, Joe Kelly, two veteran pitchers traded by the Sox to the Dodgers at the deadline. If they saw this happen, did they take the responsibility to call the player out? Sure doesn't sound like it. That's the next question. Why didn't a veteran player step up and be a leader of the players and communicate with the coaching staff what was going on if they didn't know it was going on? This is just a massive failure. And to me, this starts at the top. And it starts with the owner, Jerry Reinsdorf. There has to be a complete shakedown of everything within this organization because this has been a massive failure the last couple of years. And now this. Players players saying there's not enough accountability. That's saying something when your players are calling for more discipline within a clubhouse. So it definitely was not all Tony La Russa. Again, did not have his finest year last year. Not going to deny that. But to throw it all on Tony's shoulders now seems like it was a bad choice. There's a lot of things that need to turn around. And I thought some of that would get taken care of with a new manager, but apparently not. Biggest winners of the weekend. Number two. We move along to the Chicago Cubs on a positive. My heavens. Cubs are 32-18 and 18 in their last 
50 games. The best team in the National League since the All-Star break. The best offense in baseball since the All-Star break. I talked a lot about in the first half how the Cubs starting pitching was so good, yet they were under 500, almost unexplainable. And now everything else is catching up. The bullpen's been okay. Starting rotation's been fine. They are one of the most improved fielding teams in baseball from last year to this year. And now the offense has taken flight, and that is really helping that starting pitching And now all of a sudden the Cubs have a very, very good chance to make the postseason. You look at the Cubs last week, big home series. You had the Cincinnati Reds coming in, a competitor in the NL Central, the best team in the NL, the Atlanta Braves after that. After losing that first game to Cincinnati, Cubs took three out of four from the Reds and then followed that up by taking two out of three from the Atlanta Braves. So the Milwaukee Brewers lead the NL Central, but the Cubs have now caught the Reds. They are tied for second, a game and a half behind the Brew Crew. The Brewers have great pitching. Hitting, eh. The Reds are looking young. A lot of strikeouts and a lot of errors recently. They have tumbled back, but the Cubs are hitting on all cylinders And not only are the Cubs tied with the Reds for second place in the Central, a game and a half back, they are now tied with the Reds for the final National League wild card spot. That means you would get into one of those best of three first-round series. The Cubs would be on the road for every game in that little mini-series. But, hey, they would be in with a shot. Remember a couple of years ago when the Braves won the World Series in August, they got over 500. They were under 500 most of the summer. Cubs are trying to do the same thing right now as their fan base is rightfully so pumped up with the way this team is playing. Cody Bellinger's looking like an MVP. Marcus Stroman's been on the injured list. The pitching has not missed a beat. We'll see what Drew Smiley can do tonight. He's got a 675 ERA in his last 12 games. He has taken a step back. But otherwise... Justin Steele, you know, Kyle Hendricks has had his ups and downs. This team, all of a sudden, might make the postseason. A month ago, it didn't seem that way. Remember, the Cubs were looking to be sellers and trade Cody Bellinger and Marcus Stroman. Not anymore. Thanks, we'll keep them. Boy, Bellinger's been spectacular. The middle infield defense, getting rid of Contreras, moving Nico Horner to second, bringing in Dansby Swanson to play short. Bellinger out in center, Gomes and Amaya catching. All of a sudden, the middle of the Chicago Cubs defense is fantastic. There may not be a better double play combination in baseball right now than Horner and Swanson. And let's face it, Contreras was a solid hitter, but a poor defensive catcher. They said, see you later to Wilson. And now they started with Gomes and Barnhart. Now it's kind of Gomes and Amaya. And they haven't missed a beat. They're better without Wilson Contreras. And if the pitching holds up, I thought they might go get another reliever or two at the deadline. They did not, but so far it hasn't hurt them. Albert Alzulai, who was a part of the South Bend Cubs starting rotation, making the playoffs in 2016. 
That fastball slider combination, he is turning into a great closer for this Cubs team. That was highly unexpected. But everything falling into place right now for the Chicago Cubs. They've got the Metropolitans in Gotham tonight. Three-game set, Smiley against Singa. And let's see if they can continue their rise and maybe steal this National League Central. Number one. And the number one winner of the weekend. I'm going to say the Big 12. For a long time, there have been discussions which conference was going to fall apart. Eventually, one or two of the Power 5 conference teams were going to disintegrate and get gobbled up by the other Power 5 conferences. The ACC, the Big 12, and the Pac-12 were the three that were fighting for survival. The ACC is just kind of gliding along right now. So far, so good. Big 12 lost Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC. So they had to reinvent themselves. And to do so, they helped in fracturing the Pac-12. Now, the Big Ten taking Oregon and Washington really started the dominoes. That was the big hit. If you're playing Battleship, the Big Ten crushed the Pac-12 with that B-12. But then there was the counter-reaction. You see Oregon go, then all of a sudden, everybody got uneasy, and it didn't take long for Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, to accept an invitation to the Big 12, joining Colorado, who left recently. Remember when it wasn't a big deal when Colorado left? Now it's kind of a big deal. It really is a big deal. So the Big 12 has stayed alive. They've added Pac-12 teams. They've added American Athletic Conference teams. And they're not at the same level, of course, as the Big Ten of the SEC. But the Big 12 has reinvented itself, at least for the time being, until another big change happens. So they lost Oklahoma and Texas, but since they have added Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Baylor, BYU, Central Florida, Cincinnati, Houston, and Colorado. Those group of teams join the Big 12 regulars. Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, TCU, Texas Tech, and West Virginia. They're not the Big 10, they're not the SEC, but all things considered, when you lose Oklahoma and Texas, and at one point you're staring at Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, Texas Tech, West Virginia, it's kind of your foundation. That's not great. Not great at all. But the American Athletic Conference, those teams have given this league a bit of a boost. You get the Pac-12 teams. Now, all of a sudden, the Big 12 looks okay for right now. It's just sad for Stanford, Cal, Oregon State, Washington State without a home. We'll see if the ACC maybe scoops up those teams. But credit to the Big 12. They watched the Pac-12 hurt themselves with past decisions. Then USC and UCLA left, which really started the dominoes, and then another big hit 
as they watched Oregon and Washington go to the Big Ten. And the Big 12 stayed alive. They've added on, doing the best they can. And they've got a, a fun conference. Not sure how many national titles are going to come from that group in football. But then again, the Big Ten has not really added anybody that's going to give them a better chance to win a championship. It's still kind of the SEC laughing at everybody else. But, hey, credit to the Big 12. They could have been the big, the Pac-12 and just disintegrated, but they are still kicking. They've got a big league now all over the country. They've got a deal with ESPN and Fox. So you'll be able to see Big 12 action, unlike the Pac-12 that was going toward an Apple subscription TV deal. They would not have been on ESPN or Fox or NBC or CBS or ABC. They would have been on a subscription base. Not sure how well that would have gone. So credit to the Big 12. They have reinvented themselves, and they are still kicking, at least as of right now. 6.30 is our time. Those are the five biggest winners of the weekend. Coming up next, our opponent preview shifts to the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. That's coming up as Sportsbeat continues on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960, WSB. Here come the Irish. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. Gives to Estime. He leaps at the one and goes over the strike. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Hartman keeps it, runs it up the middle, bulldozing to the end zone, and he's in. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Low snap, hands off inside to estimate 10 5. He'll get there. Touchdown, Notre Dame. 637 at WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Sports beat continues. A little bit of breaking news here involving Notre Dame football. And it comes from the Miami Hurricanes standpoint. Barry Jackson is the individual who tweeted this, who covers Miami football. And within the hour, this is what he tweeted. The Miami Notre Dame football series, which was originally scheduled to be revived next year, has been pushed back to 2025. The 2024 game in South Bend has been moved to 2026. The teams are scheduled to play at Hard Rock in 2025. Barry, who works for the Miami Herald, had another tweet here on the situation. Let me find it really quick. I apologize. Doing this on the fly. He says, this solves a Miami scheduling conundrum. That had emerged in 2024. Miami had five non-conference games booked in 2024 and could play only four. They had at Florida, home against Florida A&M, home against Ball State, at South Florida. Now they don't need to play both Florida and Notre Dame on the road, only Florida, in 2024. So... In 2024, as of right now, the Notre Dame home schedule has Florida State, Virginia, and Louisville from the ACC. Then you've got Miami of Ohio, Northern Illinois, and Stanford. So, of those six games... 
One is pretty sexy, Florida State. The other five, I don't think they're going to make the swimsuit competition. Miami of Ohio, Northern Illinois, Virginia, Louisville, and Stanford. Not a bad basketball schedule. So that's where we stand right now. Barry Jackson from the Miami Herald reporting that the Miami Notre Dame series originally scheduled to be revived next year, but the game in South Bend next year has been moved to 2026, and the teams are still scheduled to play at Hard Rock in Miami in 2025. And our opponent preview moves along today. The next to the last game on the Fighting Irish schedule. The final home game of the year against the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Wake Forest with Sam Hartman as their starting quarterback last year posted a record of 8-5. They picked up victories over VMI 44-10. At Vanderbilt 45-25. They beat Liberty, 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 37-36. A win at Florida State, 31-21, their best win of the year. They crushed Army, 45-10. A 43-15 home win over Boston College and Wake Forest got by Syracuse, 45-35. Their losses, they should have beat Clemson. They were throwing it with Hartman. Then they decided to try to run it all day against Clemson going to the cover two defense, and that really cost Wake Forest. And Clemson won in double overtime, 51-45. Wake Forest lost at Louisville, 48-21. A loss at NC State, 30-21. And a couple of tough losses at home to North Carolina, 35-34. Drake May against Sam Hartman, that's good stuff. And Wake Forest lost at Duke, 34-31. They won their bowl game over Missouri, 27-17. Wake Forest, how about this? The Demon Deacons are the only ACC team to average over 30 points per game each of the last six years. Who would have thought that? Under head coach Dave Clawson, Wake Forest has gone to seven straight bowl games, 24 years in coaching, and like I mentioned earlier in the program, there aren't too many coaches in college football that get more out of their talent than what Clawson does at Wake Forest. On the offensive side of the football, Wake Forest only returns five players. Last year, 36.1 points per game, 443 yards of total offense. Wake Forest averaged 131 rushing yards per game, and Hartman in the passing attack, 312 yards per contest. Now, Hartman, for Wake Forest last year, 3,701 yards. He completed 63.1% of his throws, 38 touchdown passes with 12 picks. Now he moved on, of course, to Notre Dame for his final year of eligibility. So Mitch Griffiths takes over as Wake Forest's starting quarterback. Now he got the start in game one last year against VMI with Hartman still recovering from an injury. And Mitch in that ball game against VMI threw for 288 yards and three touchdowns. He finished the year 29 of 41 for 70.7%, 348 passing yards, five touchdowns, and a pick. Not much of a runner, 15 carries for 14 yards. 
Now, Wake Forest not only loses Hartman, they lose basically the foundation, the core of their wide receiver group. All ACC performer A.T. Perry is gone after 81 catches, 1,096 yards, and 11 touchdowns. The good news for Wake Forest, you get by Perry, their next top four pass catchers all return. But today we found out the best of those four, junior Donovan Green, has lost for three to five months with a knee injury. Green last year, 37 catches for 642 and six touchdowns. Jamal Banks had 42 catches. Taylor Marin, 47. Now, Clawson did tell Phil Steele in his college football preview he believes he has the best wide receiving core in the ACC. He said that before Green went down with a knee injury. Justin Ellison returns as Wake Forest's number one running back. 170 carries for 707 yards and six touchdowns. Also caught six passes. A lot of work to be done in fall camp. Elsewhere on the running back depth chart, number two and number three. They are up for grabs at this time since the two individuals that held those spots last year are now gone. Wake Forest loses three starting offensive linemen highlighted by second-team ACC guard Sean Magan, who started 47 games in his career for Wake Forest. They do return a couple of ACC performers in left guard Michael Jurgens and right tackle Devontae Gordon. Starting left tackle Spencer Clapp was at least in the rotation at tackle last year. The Wake Forest defense returned six players from last year's squad. They gave up 28.3 points per game, 407 yards of total offense, 137 rushing yards, and 270 passing yards. Wake Forest is down three starters along their defensive line, led by third-team ACC defensive tackle Kobe Turner, 38 tackles, eight tackles for loss. One returnee to talk about is defensive end Jacine Davis, started five games last year but still led the team in sacks with seven. The other defensive end, Kendron Wayman, started their bowl game against Missouri, and he enjoyed that start. He picked up three sacks against Mizzou. Now, last year's top Wake Forest tackler was linebacker Ryan Smenda with 117, including five-and-a-half tackles for loss. We will not see him at Notre Dame Stadium. He is done at Wake Forest. Their top returning tackler is weak side linebacker Chase Jones with 74 tackles, four tackles for loss, and a couple of sacks. Linebacker Nick Anderson moves closer to the football from safety. Now, cornerback Colleen Carson returns for his sophomore season. Last year as a freshman, a pick and seven pass breakups. Another sophomore starts at the other corner spot in Deshaun Jones. Second returning tackler is safety. Chalene Games, 71 tackles, three pass breakups, and an interception. The defensive coordinator for Wake Forest is Brad Lambert. He was the defensive coordinator at Purdue in 2021. Betting notes on the Notre Dame-Wake Forest series. The visiting team has covered the spread in each of the last three meetings. 2018 Notre Dame on the road favored by six. They crushed the Demon Deacons 56-27. Clawson at Wake Forest as a road underdog against the spread. Very good, 19-13. and 13. Straight up, Wake Forest on the road under Clawson, 21-28. and 28. Now, Wake Forest could be in the midst of a losing streak coming to South Bend in November. In fact, you could argue they might be on a four-game losing streak. The four games before Notre Dame, Pittsburgh, 
Florida State, at Duke, and North Carolina State. That's a look at the Wake Forest Demon Deacon. 647 Sizzler next on WSBT. Get it. You can listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the app store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. 6.52 at WSBT. Do you and your family want to be healthier? The Health and Wellness Expo of Michiana is happening on Tuesday, August the 15th, 1 to 7 p.m. at the Gillespie Center inside the Hilton Garden Inn, South Bend. A place to meet with businesses and people who are transforming our whole approach to keeping our minds and bodies fit both at home and work. You can also browse the vendor floor to talk to experts, shop, and discover special guests from OSMC orthopedic shoulder and elbow surgeon, Dr. Jeffrey Solentag. All attendees will have the chance to win door prizes such as gift baskets, pampering and parent support sessions, sunglasses, Amazon gift cards, red light therapy session, and more, plus our grand prize of a $500 Visa gift card. Learn more about the Michiana Health and Wellness Expo brought to you by Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Center of Northern Indiana. OSMC is the way to care. And Rehabilitation Hospital of Northern Indiana. We are passionate patient caregivers. Register for your free entry and swag bag at MichianaHealthAndWellness.com. That's MichianaHealthAndWellness.com. Show me the money. <laughs> we go with Well, on Friday's program, just a one in three day or only victory. We took the Rays on the money line against the Tigers, and the Rays won by a score of eight nothing. Everything else was an L. Padres on the money line against the Dodgers. We lost 10-5. Nationals Reds over 10 and a half runs. We lost only nine was scored. And the Marlins Rangers, no run first inning, lost. Both pitchers gave up a run. So just one and three. We finished the week nine and seven, and we are nine and seven for the month of August. Our picks for tonight, really fast. Cubs on the money line at the Mets at minus 105. Cubs, Mets, no run first inning at minus 115. Giants on the money line at the Angels at minus 120. Giants, Angels under eight and a half total runs at minus 115. 115. Sports Beat tonight brought to you by Budweiser, Barnabys of Mishawaka and Granger, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, Mishawaka Education Foundation, Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Have a wonderful evening. Cubby Corner is coming up next. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 5 on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey.
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 